Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare thanks for listening to the best of outkick the coverage podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m eastern 3 to 6 a.m pacific on fox sports radio find your local station for outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching fsr this is the best of outkick the coverage with clay travis on fox sports radio Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Hope all of you are having a fantastic Friday, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. We are joined now by Frank Isola at the Frank Isola. Uh, you can listen to him on Sirius XM. You can read him at The Athletic, and you can watch him on ESPN. Frank, I just, the whole world has gone insane, right? I mean, like, I don't even feel like I could put my phone down for five minutes without anything crazy happening. Wednesday night, Whitlock and I had dinner and uh, we had a dinner schedule. We were meeting a couple of people and I was like, I texted him. I said, hey, should we just cancel? Because I don't even feel hardly like we had dinner at six. And I was like, I feel like the two hour dinner that we're going to have, it's going to be almost impossible to pay attention because we're both going to be wanting to check our phones constantly to see what the latest news is. And I don't, I mean, I know that like we've always been at the beck and call of our phones, but a lot of times you can kind of predict, right? Like, let's say the NFL draft is going on. Well, yeah, you're going out to dinner. You maybe you're not watching the whole first round. You might want to pick up your phone and see who's getting drafted or whatever else. You could kind of predict is what I'm saying. Or, you know, there's a game that you're interested in, but you've also got obligations for one of your kids. Like you take your phone, you can check it. Like, you know, that's going on. I feel like right now, there's almost nothing that could happen where I would be like, yeah, I can't like I can't imagine that happen. Like the NBA just shutting down and not showing up for a game uh, on Wednesday. It's like once that happens, 
truly anything can happen in sports, right? You have to follow it minute by minute. And we know back in March when all the sports got shut down, it was an unbelievable evening. You know, it was like boom, boom, boom every time something's happening. But I really do feel like every time I pick up my phone, there's no telling what the news might actually be. Well, there it is, Clay and Jason, America's two most beloved media people, out to dinner together. I'm surprised that wasn't on page six of the New York Post. I'll tell you this right now. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. Like the, at, the, at, the, rest, at the, uh, the restaurant, they brought us out a free dessert, and I turned to Whitlock, and I was like, that guy seemed like he liked us, but also we could be getting him locked here, and both of us could be dead in like 10 minutes because we didn't ask for this dessert. It's hard to say no to a free dessert, but I'm like, also, this might be the worst decision we ever made, both eating it. We turned out fine, yeah. but that's the way I'm thinking in the back of my head now. I'm like, at any moment, we might just get taken out. Yeah, well, you guys should start behaving like you're in the mafia and just no doubt you're, you're back back to the wall. I need a bodyguard. I feel like I need a bodyguard every, now. Everything everything unfolding in front of you. Yeah, Wednesday, you know, it's like been a season unlike any other, a year like any other, and obviously that that day was unlike anything we've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, I remember covering a Nick game the night of the first Gulf War. It was at Mad- and I was at Madison Square Garden. Pat Riley was the coach of the Knicks. To crying out loud, and uh, Bill Musselman was a coach of Minnesota, and he was he was a former military guy. And he was talking about we need to stand behind our military. That night they played games, but I watched the whole thing unfold on Wednesday, turning on NBA TV. And when they weren't out there, the first thing I noticed too, the Orlando Magic were on the court, and I right away I said, well, they're obviously not in on the plan. And then they showed Chris Paul. Um, once the game was just about to be called off, they showed Chris Paul getting ready for what would be the later game, arriving at the arena. And I said, well, there's no way that he knew about it. And Chris Paul will not be happy because Chris Paul, he and LeBron are the two most powerful players in the league. Chris Paul is obviously the president of the Players Association. And I had heard at that meeting later that night, he, you know, he basically said, I stand behind the Milwaukee Bucks, but I'm not, I'm not really sure I agree with how you went about it. Can you kind of explain yourself? So I think... The Milwaukee Bucks, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing, and it started with George Hill and then Sterling Brown, who was a Chicago guy who had that incident with the police when he was kind of roughed up a couple of years ago. And then Giannis Antetokounmpo decided he wasn't going to play. Everyone followed suit, but it was pretty much a spur-of-the-moment. But, Clay, you knew this. Once the Bucks weren't going to play, you knew that the next two teams, the next no two doubt. games – wouldn't go on. And then obviously now you have the rest of the league in solidarity without any games going uh, happening on Thursday. But the spur of the moment aspect of this is, I think, so let me take a step back. Regardless of what you think about the decision, to me, making a decision that big on the spur of the moment oftentimes leads you to bad results, right? Does that make sense? So where, you know, you're, you're like not necessarily playing out all of the different threads of what can happen next. And the way we talked about it on the show yesterday was it's the difference between playing chess and playing checkers. I know some people are spectacular checkers players out there and you're constantly thinking like eight moves ahead. All right. That's not how most of us play checkers. But in chess, it's all about setting up the moves and thinking about the responses and everything else. And this field felt very ad hoc to me because of what you just said. If you knew that you were going to not play, you wouldn't go to the gym. The other team wouldn't show up and be warming up on the court, right? And the other teams wouldn't be preparing to arrive at the facility and everything else. This would be a lot more of a planned process. Having said all of that, What's the impact? I know it's kind of hard to forecast the long-range impact, but now that we know the players are going to come back, they're going to sit out a couple of days, and then the games will be going on again. 
what do you think as a guy who has covered the NBA for a long time? What is the impact? And also, what's the precedent now? Is this going to become, because we've seen it happen now in Major League Baseball, NHL felt compelled to follow, MLS. Is this going to become something where when something that upsets players happen, that it's now commonplace that they just decide not to play? Because I think that's kind of a tough precedent to set because think about it. In the future, when you're actually able to have fans present again, you would have all the fans, you know, dad's bringing his girls, dad's bringing his sons, everybody's sitting in the stands, and then at the last minute they're going to come out and get on the PA and just say, hey, the players are upset today, and so they're not going to play the game. I mean, that seems like this might only work when there's not fans present. It seems like a big mess if it's setting the precedent that things like this happen in the future. There's a couple of things at work here. You know, a lot of the players are not thrilled about going to the bubble, and I think the NBA probably made a mistake. I understand the finances of it. They probably just should have gone down there with the 16 teams, had like the top four seeds in the East play the bottom four teams seeds in the West for like four tune-up games. They would be exhibition games, and then just get on with the playoffs. Because now you've been down there almost two months, and you're just starting the second round now. And it's pretty obvious that the players, part of this is some of these players just don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, and, But I do think a lot of them want to draw attention to social issues. But I would suggest to you, I actually think they've done that. I mean, the league has done everything that the players, for the most part, have wanted. And I think if the players had walked away for good, we know how this all plays out. If they decided today we're not playing anymore, all right, it'd be a big story uh, Thursday, Friday. And then by the time Monday rolls around, we tend to move on. Yeah. Other things. And then two weeks from now, the NFL starts. And then college football is going to start, and the NBA would just disappear. To me, and I'm not telling the players what to do, I would think you're down there after every game, players seem to be speaking up. Your platform is there. You have a megaphone in Orlando. Once you leave, and I heard there were a couple players that got up at the meeting and said, Come on, guys, you know you're going to go home. You're going to go lay on your couch and watch TV. Yeah. You're not going to go anywhere and do anything. It's like right. we're here now. If you really want to make a change, I do think. It's a combination of a lot of things for the players. They're probably frustrated. Some of them have family uh, obligations that they feel like they want to get to. And they've been there for a long time. I think it's starting to drive them probably a little stir-crazy. And there obviously are players concerned with social issues, but I think they're doing the right thing by staying. I think they could do a better job of drawing attention to the message that they want to get out. Uh, I, don't think, I think it's a no-brainer that there's far more attention on them if they stay than if they just decide to cancel the season. And that's why on Wednesday night when the news came out and they were like LeBron and the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, they all voted to to not play. I was like, come on. But whoever leaked that is intentionally trying to leak that story in a favorable way because I would buy if a lot of teams other than the Lakers and the Clippers said, hey, we don't want to be here. Like, you know, if you know you don't have a chance to win a championship at this point, I can understand just being like, screw it, I'm ready to be out of here, right? But if you believe yep. that you legitimately have a championship chance, which I think, look, the Toronto Raptors do, I think the Boston Celtics do, I think that uh, that certainly the Bucks do in the East, and I would say the Clippers and the Lakers do in the West. Yep. I would say there's probably yep. five teams that feel like they have a legitimate chance to win a championship. I think there yep. are 13 teams, if I'm not mistaken, still in the bubble, at least right now. The other eight, yep. I can see them being like, eh, I, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Well, well, Clay, think about it. All right, so you're the Orlando Magic. They were probably thinking when they woke up on Wednesday morning. We're finally right, out we of here. This, we, yes. We got this early game. I'll bet you the players, some of them are telling their family, I'll be home by 830. Yeah. So we'll go out to dinner at 830. Because they only live 20 miles. Most, I think downtown yep, Orlando that's is right. 20 miles from, 
from Disney. Then you, I'm sure there were players that have girlfriends who are probably thinking, I'll, I'll see you tonight by about 8.30, 9 o'clock. If they're on the court, they must have been thinking, are you kidding me? We <laughs> want to get out of the bubble. You now just extended my stay two extra days. Because no doubt. Because was the same way. Because Portland, Portland's a veteran team. Carmelo Anthony, I'm sure he was packed and ready to go. They said that C.J. McCollum brought 85 bottles of wine. He was probably packing up his wine yep. on, uh, on Wednesday night as well. And that's why if you, you – know, the story was that on Thursday, Damian Lillard flew back to Portland because he was basically out of it now anyway with the knee injury. He probably figured, I'll stick around. I'll watch our game on Wednesday. I'll fly home with the team on Thursday. And then when they decided not to play, he said, listen, I'm out. I've already checked out mentally, physically. i got to get out of here. So to your point, I think some of these teams that are on the verge of being eliminated anyway were probably a little frustrated. I think they made – I'm not buying that LeBron – I don't think LeBron is thrilled about being there because he's a 35-year-old guy with different kind of family obligations than the other players. He probably has so much stuff going on in his other business ventures. He's probably thinking, I'd rather be somewhere else. But to me, I had heard that he still wants to be there because he thinks he has a legitimate chance to win. I think he might be a little bit frustrated at some of his teammates who are like, yeah, yeah let's, maybe we should just end this and go home. I think he's thinking, guys, we're um, how many wins away? Are they were three, six, nine, ten wins away or whatever it is from winning a championship. Yeah, look, and this might be his last chance to actually win a championship unless he hangs around in the league for several years and tries to pull, you know, a Carl Malone where he's obviously an incredible player, but he becomes a role player on a really good team instead of being, you know, kind of the engine that drives the offense and the defense and leads the team. And I don't know what he's going to want to do. Uh, but that that would be his his way to add potentially a couple of rings is to take smaller salaries and be a, a, a complement as opposed to the focal point. This is his last time as a you know focal point potentially when you look at all the other talent that's going to come back next year. What's the long range impact for the NBA? We know already that you've covered this league for a long time. We know that the number of people watching the playoffs in the bubble I think has been disappointing. It's fair to say to NBA grand poobahs of ratings, uh, you know, like if I'm sure Adam Silver, who gets the dailies delivered, is like, yeah, this isn't very good, right? They have alien. I don't think there's any doubt that they have alienated some people. Now, the precedent's also difficult to figure out in some ways because they've never really played in August before, right? There are other sports yeah. going on. There are a lot of differences. But I think it's fair to say that they have not captivated like they usually do in the NBA playoffs. Uh, and they're probably not going to be able to because they're going to be going to head-to-head with the NFL and maybe college football as well here soon. But what is the impact here? And this is the question I've been asking for a while. The bubble is like its own different world. What is going to happen next year? Like what is the long-range impact here for the NBA? And I think that this goes back to if they had decided not to play, you want to talk about throwing things in jeopardy, who even knows when next season is going to begin? So then you, I mean, next season, could it begin in January? Is it going to be February, March when they start? I mean, you're going to have, like, there would have been some teams that would have gone maybe a full calendar year without playing basketball games. I think that's why it was important to stay down there for the NBA, try to get through this season, crown a champion, and then move forward to next year, which seems like next season is already going to be, you know, obviously it's going to start late. It's going to be interrupted. I think it really would have hurt the league. What the league needs more than anything they need LeBron. They need LeBron to at least to get to a conference final. Because, Clay, if you look at the Eastern Conference, three of the series were a sweep. The other one uh, is 3-1 with Milwaukee. The Eastern Conference playoffs, which will get better. 
have been terrible in the first round. There hasn't been essentially no drama to them. So the playoffs need a little buzz. And also, I think the time of year has something to do with it. I think people, it's tough because some of these games that are on at 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the East, that'll change once now you get to the second round. But I think I think Adam Silver knows that, you know, financially the league is going to take a bit of a hit here. They can recover, you know, if I mean Zion Williamson, if he – does well. There are still some players that you could still market around, but I definitely think the owners and Adam Silver have to be a little bit concerned with what's what's unfolded, especially with the ratings. What do you think, like, and I asked this question a little bit earlier and then we kind of circled around it. What do you think the precedent is that is being set now? Is this something where players are going to start not showing up for games when things happen in the larger world that doesn't directly impact? Like, I would understand if a team was upset with their owner, even if I may not agree with their decision not to play, or they were upset with their league, that's kind of the long-range history of labor and management, right? Labor and business. There's always the employees who are upset with the owners. That's why strikes happen, whether you are on an assembly line at a Detroit, Michigan auto plant, or whether you are a Major League Baseball player, right? Strikes happen, lockouts happen, all different sorts of disagreements can happen. This to yeah. me seems to be a substantially different than that, though, because as you said earlier, there's no real suggestion that the NBA has, quote unquote, done the players wrong, right? If anything, they've been over backwards to try to make sure that they're happy. So is this now a new precedent being set in athletics where something that has nothing to do with your actual work environment or your work relationships? are now going to create scenarios where guys just decide not to play. Yeah, I, I think there's a possibility for that. I think that could have some long-term effects. Maybe some people won't care. Remember now, this was George Hill that did this. This is a, a good player, but essentially a role player who shut down the league yeah. for two days during the NBA playoffs. You know, I remember um, I had Craig Hodges on my radio show on Thursday morning, and he talked about how in the, um, the 1991 NBA Finals, with all the unrest in the country, he went to Magic Johnson and he said, I think maybe we should uh, protest and not play tonight. And Magic said, that's too drastic. And then he went to Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan started laughing. He said, you're crazy. We're not uh, we're not going to do that. So that was Craig Hodges, who didn't have access, obviously, to a cell phone, a way to like, contact maybe a lot of players on the Lakers. So that could happen. But the other thing you have to remember about this, this incident happened over the weekend in uh, Kenosha. You had you know players began talking about it, and really Fred Van Bleet was the first guy who's from that part of the country, and he had said, you know what, I, I, I'm not, maybe we shouldn't be playing, but it wasn't like an initial reaction from the players. It obviously was something that was brewing because they had played games, and they had spoken about it afterwards. I, I think when they said, you know, when George Hill said, you know, being in this bubble, I feel like we could do more, nothing's changing. It's, you know, you're being a bit naive to think that after two months of you being in the bubble, all of a sudden the world was going to be perfect. It's not the way it works. If it would only take two months to correct everything, it would have happened already. It would yeah, have it happened, did. you know, years ago. Yeah, it's, it's not, a good like, point. I think that after two months, you're bringing, like, you guys are trying to bring about change. You're, you're focusing on the issues. It doesn't, it's almost like an athlete's way of thinking sometimes, like, well, yeah, everything should be perfect because I think it should be that way. Yeah, we all want things to be better, but it doesn't happen overnight. You guys are doing, you know, you're trying to do the right thing down there. Stay there. That's where your message is, as opposed to all of a sudden just leaving the bubble. I think the players would disappear. Yeah, it's a good point because the logic doesn't stand up very well because the logic for why they were upset on some level seemed to be, hey, we've been trying to draw attention to this. We're kneeling, we got social justice slogans, we got Black Lives Matter written on the court, and then this still happened, right? 
But the point is, yep. like, the NBA is a pinprick of entertainment in the larger universe. It seems substantial to them because they're in the league and they have media covering them. But for your average person who's listening to me right now in the morning, like, when they go home over the weekend, they'll be like, okay, am I going to watch sports or am I going to put on Netflix? Am I going to watch Amazon Prime? Yep. Are my kids going to watch Disney Plus? Last night I went out to the movies and watched Ghostbusters. They're showing classic cinemas because I was so excited to be able to go back to the movies. I took my kids. But I did that rather than watch anything else, right? People are making decisions in their life every single day about entertainment options. And the idea that a person who otherwise might be involved in a police shooting is going to be like, oh, I was going to shoot somebody, but instead I've been watching the NBA and so I'm less likely to do it. Like their protest is unlikely to impact individual police relationships in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It could, right? There could be a guy out there who's like, man, I might have behaved more aggressively as a police officer if I wasn't a huge NBA fan. And I'm sure maybe there are some people who would be that. But by and large, the idea that they're going to change individual interactions between suspects and police officers is is really a crazy idea, considering they've only been down there for like two months and they may not have any uh, anybody paying attention to them in either the, the suspect side or the police side. And I, and I think ultimately it's like, you know, obviously everyone could look at individual cases, but I think ultimately what their goal has been all along, they've talked a lot about police reform, and it's something that the Milwaukee Bucks have been behind for a while here, ever since what happened with uh, Sterling Brown a few years ago. By the way, his dad is a cop in Chicago, and he got uh, roughed up because they didn't, uh, he was parked outside of a drugstore in uh, like a CVS or something outside of Milwaukee, and he got you know surrounded by a bunch of guys, and, and they... They took care of him pretty good, which was, you know, out of line. I think what their message is, you know, they're they're trying. I do think that their heart is in the right place. But I would also say this, too. You know, it's funny, like kneeling during the anthem, like a lot of times people don't tune into the game at that time. There's nobody in the arena. Remember, there's no fans. That's why I always felt. Like, do what they do in Europe with, with, like, the Premier League, what they were doing. Let Let the players take the court. The game's about to start. Now you know everyone is tuned in for the jump ball, and before the referee's about to throw the ball in the air, everybody take a knee for like 30 seconds. Yeah. That would, because, I mean, first of all, Clay, most people don't tune in like during the anthem. The anthem usually comes on at the games at 7 o'clock. Are they the even – somebody asked me this, and I, I don't know, because I tend to – like not, I'm, every, not every network. Not every yeah, network. Because I'm very, I'm very anti all pregame, and I shouldn't say that because obviously both of our networks make a lot of money on pregame. Like, but I'm the guy who wants to sit down literally the minute the ball is tipped, literally the minute the toe meets leather and the, the game begins – I don't care. Like, I don't want to put it on for any time and sit around and hear what people expect to happen uh, when it's right before the game, right? I just want to watch the game itself. I don't watch eight hours of pregame, even though Fox made, you know, $500 million on the Super Bowl last year. I'm not one of those people who sits around and watches eight game, eight eight hours of pregame coverage. It's funny you say that because when I do watch the Super Bowl, like, as it's on all day on like the TV, but I'm not sitting there for that long pregame. I always feel bad because you can tell there are people that put together some unbelievable features that they spend a lot of time on, and they look really good. But like it's hard to justify if the game's starting at six thirty. You want me to tune in at two two o'clock, three o'clock? I can't sit around the TV that long. And I think I think a lot of people feel the same way about sports. A lot of them, if it says you know the game's going to start about seven, most people know it tip off is about seven ten, and that's when they tune in. That's why if I were the players, if they wanted to do something different that's what i would do right before the jump ball you could alert the referee before just as the referee's about to throw the ball in the air just take a knee take a uh, knee you got like 30 seconds 
you got a couple more minutes you can hang out with us to close out the hour? Sure. Sure. Uh, Frank Isola will be back with us at the Frank Isola. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts? You know, O, 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 O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome back in. Final segment, hour number one. Hope all of you are having a great day. We're here in the Geico Outkick Studios. I think last week, you, or a couple weeks ago, I guess it was now, maybe a month ago, I don't know. Every day runs together, but I know you said it on the radio <laughs> show. You were talking about uh, old school newspaper columns. And I know we've talked about this before because you do PTI sometimes, and uh, it probably makes uh, Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon feel older. But I was in college at George Washington, and one of the great revelations for me as a true freshman was reading the Washington Post and reading their columns and just how good they were in sports, right? I mean, they were just so fabulous. And you live in one of the great newspaper cities of all time. Uh, I remember being a kid and going to New York and thinking, oh my God, it's so amazing, all these different newspapers getting written all, all, all day. And then later when I was in college, I'd read tons of newspapers every day. I remember going, uh, I got to study abroad in London, and that's another one oh, of the great so newspaper. Oh, it was so cool. Like, I feel like such a kind of a people like now hear about it and they're like, what would you do? And you're like, oh, you would go to like a newspaper stand, right? A newsstand. <laughs> and they would have newspapers from all over the world there, right? And you can read them and it's like, it's so addictive and it was amazing. And the reason why I bring that up is there was a great, huge variety of columnist opinions when everybody had their own little kind of footprint in all these different individual newspapers. And those opinions would be so wide-ranging and they would be so fascinating and they would be so interesting and they could be wildly divergent, right? Uh, From one newspaper to another, from one writer to another. And that was what made it interesting. Even today, I still get the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal delivered. There aren't really necessarily great columnists that still write in newspapers, although I will say Jason Gay does a pretty good column in the Wall Street Journal that I enjoy reading. But there's not that many of those guys anymore, right? Or girls. Uh, And... And one of the things I'm uh, thinking about here as the NBA lockdown has happened and, the, and, this, and everything else is Jason Whitlock writes really interesting different columns than maybe everybody else does. There's almost no variety of opinion anymore, right? Regardless of what you believe. And the reason why I'm bringing it up with you is you talked about Lou Williams and you were like, hey, back in the day, if Lou Williams had gone to a strip club, somebody would have written the column, this guy has to be suspended for the remainder of the year for putting everybody else in danger like this, there's a 100% chance that column will be written. Nobody wrote it. And one of the big reasons, and I think about this as the lockdown happened uh, with the coronavirus, which is obviously serious, the bubble NBA responses, which are much less serious, it seems to me that social media has constrained the level of acceptable opinion in sports, politics, and otherwise. And everybody's afraid if their opinion's a little bit outside of whatever's considered acceptable, that they're going to get deluged with hate on social media. And as a result, our national discourse is less expansive and less interesting and less, uh, less let's be honest, like just fascinating than maybe it was 20 years ago. 
I, th- I think there's a lot of truth to that. And like, yeah, the, the Lou Williams thing was interesting because it turned into a debate about, you know, you know the, the chicken wings there are really good. That's why he ate there. That wasn't the point. The NBA spent millions of dollars for this bubble, and, you know, he did something. You know, he left to go to a funeral, and the next thing you know, he's at a he's at the strip club getting the chicken wings. But it's like, it's like even little things. If you look at what happened the other night with Marcus Morris, and Luka Doncic, like, you know, you could have written, like, a pretty good column. Is Marcus Morris intentionally trying to hurt Luka Doncic here? And here's one of the young stars in the league. Should the NBA be protecting him? People used to write about that back when Michael Jordan was starting and the uh, Detroit Pistons were trying to take his head off. Shouldn't yeah. the league maybe doing more to protect one of the young stars in the league? I mean, I thought Marcus Morris – Marcus Morris is a tough guy. That's a legitimate – he will fight you. That's not a fake – that's not an act that that guy's got. But I thought, you know, him stepping on Luca's ankle and on his foot, I thought that kind of crossed the line. You don't see anything like that. Even something, you know, where's the person writing? All right, I get what the end, the players were trying to do, but they really didn't have a plan. And maybe George Hill should have thought this out. And maybe it's a mistake that they're leaving. It's not. You don't really get that anymore. And I think a lot of it does have to do with social media. I mean, you had someone from the New York Times, wasn't it the um, – the op-ed, uh, the woman on the op-ed page, didn't she say that the the editor, the de facto editor sometimes for the New York Times is Twitter? And I definitely think that's the case at a lot of newspapers, a lot of uh, news networks. I definitely think that uh, that plays an important role. And I think it impacts the the writer, too. You know, I remember the first time when I was working on the Daily News and when they started allowing people to comment, it's on the Internet, oh, yeah. on your stories. I, I was, like, blown away. By how much I was being killed, I was like, "Damn!" I'm, <laughs> I thought people I'm liked me. Like, <laughs> it's funny. It's like I, I told my. Also writing, I'm telling the truth. Like I don't know. Like what do you what do you want from me? And I think that does affect people because like I said I, I can only imagine what your mentions. Was. Oh, like, I don't read. Like, I don't read them. On, and I, on, you know, it's funny. Twitter, but it, it affects some people. You know, it does. Yeah, two things about that. One, I told my mom she couldn't comment. So early on when I first started writing online, <laughs> my mom would get mad about what the people would say, and she would, like, register, and she was commenting, and I was like, Mom, you can't do that. So everybody who's got a mom can imagine that. And the other one was, and I think Colin Cowherd was right about this. He's like, Clay, why would I check my mentions during my radio show? He's like, not not what other people are saying, you know, like for news. He was like, why would I see what people are saying to me about my radio show? It's like, I've been doing a radio show for a long time. A lot of people listen why would I listen to somebody who's like, I don't know why you're talking about X today? Well, the answer is because I'm a professional and I have a better idea what my audience wants than some random guy does on Twitter. But it can get in yeah. your head and make you start questioning things. And that's why I always tell everybody, some of the young guys that we employ now, I'm like, dudes, don't read the comments. Make your argument. That's your big comment. Everybody else, ultimately, doesn't matter what happens, really. Almost every comment ends up in a fight, right? It's like somebody saying something yeah. and they end up arguing back and forth. Yeah, it's 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 true, and it, it was like for me, it was tough at first because I was always getting accused of making stuff up, and I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, I'd get fired for that. That's number one. Number two, I wouldn't do that, and if I was going to make up a story, I'd probably try to come up with something more interesting than some of the craziness that's going on because it, it was always easy for the organization to say that's not true, and then the fan, then the fans who want the organization to be right and want the media to be wrong, they say, see. He's making it up. I knew it all along. Because all the, organ- the organization doesn't have to, they don't have to be held to a standard. And I've always said this too, they will purposely, intentionally lie to you. I'm not allowed to do that. They're yeah. allowed to give false information. No, we're not making that trade. No, we're not looking to get rid of them. It, could, it might not be 
the worst thing that they've ever done. I get that they're trying to give you almost like a misdirection, but I'm not allowed to do that. I can't. I can't lie in print. But people, they would attack you. And you're right. You can't. You can't get wrapped up in it. It'll drive you nuts. Uh, good stuff as always. Have a great weekend, my man. And uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Clay. Take care. That's Frank Isola at the Frank Isola on Twitter. We come back. Big Ten lawsuit has been filed. I'm going to dive into that question. I think you're going to enjoy our conversation uh, about why I support the players and what the Big Ten is trying to hide. That'll be next. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that. But there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their michelin test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. One reason why I've been so focused on playing sports is because I've been obsessed, as you guys know who listen to the show, with constantly looking at the data and following it, whether or not young athletes are in danger for going to school, for playing sports. My kids are going to school and they're playing sports. And a guy who's done a great job of actually covering it has been Alex Berenson. He's a former New York Times uh, employee, journalist, award-winning journalist, and he's going to join us next. He joined us for a long sit-down on our Wins and Losses podcast, and I think you guys are going to enjoy that conversation with him. It's about to start here in a sec. Alex Berenson joined me on my Wins and Losses podcast. Here's a part of this conversation. Listen. We're talking to Alex Berenson. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, I'll tweet out the link to his profile. He's had incredible data analysis from the get-go. Okay, what made you willing to question the overriding narrative. I've obviously done it in the world of sports, and it's astounding uh, to me how many members of what I call the blue checkmark brigade in sports media have been buying into these apocalyptic theories from the get-go such that they get, they're get they furious at me for sharing any kind of positive news, for suggesting that sports can be played. Uh, I've labeled them all Corona Bros in the sports media. It's like they're rooting for the worst possible outcome, right? The minute that an athlete tests positive, they're the first ones to run to Twitter and be like, oh my God, you know, look at what's happened with the Miami Marlins. A bunch of healthy guys are testing positive for a virus they never would have known they had unless we were testing them aggressively, right? I mean, that's the reality. And, that's the reality. and so it's crazy in my universe, there's hardly anybody sharing actual facts and combating what I would call the fear porn, which tries to make it such that sports can't be played, that your son can't play Little League, that your daughter can't play soccer. All these things are certainly get to schools, which I want to get to in a moment. Why do you think that, that the media, and I'm curious on this perspective from you, it used to be, you said, you know, be cynical, be skeptical. I would say that in general, I am a skeptic. I tend to be skeptical of every and any and everything. Maybe that's my legal background. Maybe that's my sure. natural persona. But it seems to me that the media completely abandoned that natural skepticism and not only abandoned the natural skepticism, but severely policed anyone who didn't buy into the overriding narrative of complete danger instead of being rebels or instead of being people who pushed back against the tide, which I think is what you would hope journalists would do. When did journalists become 
the people who are out there enforcing what opinions people can have and how has it impacted you in what I'm imagining you're now the black sheep of the New York Times fraternity. You're completely ostracized. So, uh, so you know, it, it fascinates me, and, and I don't know how much you hate you get. I, I imagine you get a lot of hate, too. Yes, people a say lot. Ter- terrible things. Like, I want their grandmas to die, me. right? That's the thing I get yeah, the most. Like, you don't care about old people dying. Now, I would say, no, I wish everybody was immortal, right? I wish, but, you know, 2.8 million people die every day in this, every year in this country, 7,500 a day. Everything has to be balanced contextually. This idea that the coronavirus has to dictate every decision that we make as social policy for the entire year is crazy to me. It's a childlike uh, understanding of nuance and complexity. Yet I see people who value their own knowledge of nuance and complexity fully embracing it. And I just wonder what in the world is going on in their brains. Yes. So, I mean, look, look, I mean, I get called a sociopath. Okay. Yes. I, I, you know, people, people tell me, people have told me, you know, not, not the blue check so much, although some of the blue checks have said they hope I die. They hope I die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People, people <laughs> regularly, the blue check mark brigade regularly, they remember saying, I hope you get this and I hope you die. They even, some of the people out there have even taken it a step further. I've got three young kids and they're in school now. And, you know, when I mentioned that, they're like, I hope your kids get sick and die. That would serve you right. Like, who roots yeah, for mean, children to die? Like, I mean, die. this is crazy to me. That's right. It's crazy. I mean, and you know, my my somebody somebody uh, somebody said, well, Fauci says he's getting death threats. It's like, well, you know what? I, I, you know the old joke: if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. At this point, if you ain't getting death threats, you oh, ain't trying. I get death threats I mean, every I, day. Come on, live a little. All all the time, right? So so, I, you know, look, there's Trump. The, the the Trump hatred is enormous, and the un and the sort of innumeracy of the media is enormous, and I guess. I guess, you know, the groupthink is enormous, okay? And and people and it's unfortunate because it means that do you know there there are there are many Is social media on making it worse? Is social yes. media making groupthink worse in your oh. mind as somebody who worked oh. at the New York Times in a pre basically oh. social media era? Oh, absolutely. It's made it much worse. And there's something else that's happening which is not much discussed, but which has definitely been a real problem at the New York Times. And I think it's a problem at workplaces in general, which is so texting makes it possible to run conspiracies. And I mean, and I mean, you know, I mean a real conspiracy in a way that you couldn't before. In other words, there can be five people in a room and one of them has an opinion that the other four don't like. And the other four are able to have a conversation about that fifth person in front of him without him knowing. Yeah. Okay. And that makes it easier to ostracize. It makes it easier to drive people out because all of a sudden you say, you know what, I'm going to tweet this. And everybody else is like, okay, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's jump in. And, or, or, you know, it isn't even quite that over. It's I'm going to tweet this and you send it around to the other three people who don't like the last person in the room and, and they just jump on. So, so there's been there's you know the, I'm sure you've heard it uh, the you know it's called dogpiling right so dogpiling yeah. is when you you know a, a thousand people tell you that you should never speak again yes okay and you have to be a certain kind of person to decide I don't care right and I am that kind which of you, are, you are and too. I think I am too like I just yeah. I genuinely don't care I mean again. I don't see this as partisan. I don't see it as Democrat. I don't see it as Republican. You said you're a registered independent. I worked on Al Gore's presidential campaign. Uh, I wasn't particularly political. I've never voted for a Republican president. 
But I look at all this and I'm like, you know, I'm a First Amendment absolutist and I love rigorous debate. And to me, and I want to get to the analogy you've made, to me, I say the decision to go to war in Iraq is the biggest failure in the 21st century prior to our response to the coronavirus from a social policy perspective. You've gone even further back and said you think in years to come, we'll look back on our response to the coronavirus as the worst decision in American policy since the Vietnam War. Uh, that's fascinating to me because it what, what it would require is analysis and recognition from so many people that they misdiagnosed and misresponded to this instance. In the Vietnam War, because the opposition was liberal, it seems like the media was willing to acknowledge that because they're yeah. like, hey, we got this one right. I think predominantly liberal media is not going to be willing to acknowledge it with the coronavirus because it wasn't the people who were liberal who were leading the charge necessarily on, oh, my God, this response is totally ludicrous. Right. No, it's going to be very, very hard to get people to admit that. And, and you know, what's going to happen is the people who don't want to admit it are just going to say 160,000 dead, 160,000 dead, or 170,000, 180, wherever it is that we, we top out on this. Again, without acknowledging that, that half those people were in nursing homes and had a life expectancy in, in months, and that a significant portion of the rest were really very sick. Yes. Okay. That, 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 In other words, if you look ahead to next year, for instance, the death rate may well be down or even at the end of the months of this year, depending how, on how things go, because the people who got the coronavirus and died may have died a month or two earlier than they otherwise were. But we're not talking about, as you said, 45 kids under 15. When you look at the total number of years lost of life, we're not talking about a massive amount because the average person dying of the coronavirus is old than the average age of person dying of all causes. That, that's right. And, and at the same time, they will be unwilling to admit the damage of the lockdowns, which has been so enormous. And this is something, you know, I think I might feel this, you know, as much as anybody, because people email me who are in pain. You know, yes. they, you know, this is a funny thing about Twitter. People feel that they, you know, that they that they know me yes. and that and that they and that they want to and that they want to open up to me. And and there are people who are in awful pain. Now, now, look, I'm not going to say that, you know, that these people were perfectly happy before this happened. And, you know, coronavirus is the only problem in their lives. But what I'm saying is that if. If you have some kind of, you know, psychiatric or psychological weakness, the last five months have been terrible for you, for a lot of people. Twenty five percent of people out there, Alex, have uh, young people, according to a recent yeah. study that I saw, have considered suicide and yeah. suicides yeah, and drug overdoses and everything yeah. else as we've taken away people's ability to go to work, to go to school, to go to church, to go to things yep. that connect them to the larger fabric of society they have fallen apart as well, and we're not talking hardly at all about that. We're not talking about it at all. And just the sheer terror that some people feel from this. I mean, the way people have behaved and the way they've people with children who haven't let their children out of the house for, for months. Months. I mean, That's, not, some people have months. done that. They, some people have done that. And so, you know, people, you can find stories on Twitter without trying too hard of people proudly saying, I haven't left my apartment since March. What like what are you doing? I, yeah. I don't care if you have a ten percent risk of dying from this thing. What are you doing to yourself? And you don't. I mean, you have a you have a you know one one hundredth of one percent risk if you're you know forty year old guy or whatever. You know, it, the risk is minuscule. Yeah. Okay, but but uh, people people have wrenched themselves 
into terror about this. And as a society, we are tearing ourselves up over it. And, you know, and, and, and here's the thing about lockdowns, okay? You either lock down too early or too late. Here's your choices. You lock down like Britain when it's already spread all over the place, in which case you still have uncontrolled spread in nursing homes. And, and, and you know, as a result, the U.K. has the worst death rate anywhere of any country in the world, any major country. And they lock down very hard but late. Or you lock down really early like New Zealand, in which case you're living in fear of this stupid thing forever. And whenever there's a case, you have to decide whether or not to lock down again. Or you treat it like what it is, a manageable respiratory virus, and you go on with life like the Swedes did. And, yes, some people will die, and then you'll be done. And, imp- and, and life yeah. goes on. How important is it for schools to be open in your mind? I've got three kids, 12, 9, and 5. Come Monday, all three of them, a week from today when we're talking, all three of them will be in in-person school on Monday, August 24th, where I live. So, so, so our kids are going back to school uh, one week later. They're going back on September first. We, for, well, my kids are, you know, a little bit younger than yours. Uh, and for, you know, we're in New York. We actually seriously considered moving this summer, and I'm glad we didn't because, you know, places we thought we might have moved to, they're now saying the schools are going to be closed at least through November. But fortunately, they're at a little, uh, you know, they're at a little private school, um, you know, in, in New York State, and and they'll be able to to have five day a week school, which is a uh, you know, which is so important for their mental health, for their learning, for their socialization, for their understanding that life goes on, for their physical growth. It's so vital that schools be open, and it is so wrong that, that the teachers' unions are refusing this and are fighting about this. It couldn't be more wrong. And, and of all the things we've done, it is the absolute worst. And, and all over Europe, by the way, schools are reopening. All over Asia, schools are reopening. This, if, there, if you want proof of anything, or if you want proof in a way that they're, you know, the best possible proof that this is a, just a totally political issue at this point, look at the fact that many jurisdictions are saying we're going to reopen or consider reopening in late October, early November. Yeah. In other words, right? What, what's happening in early November that might cause that to happen? And by the way, if you really cared, you'd want them open now because it's before flu season. That's so right. Instead, we're going to reopen as flu season is coming back. So it is. So we're talking to Alex Barrons and I'm Clay Travis. This is the Wins and Losses podcast. Um, there are so many things here that continue to amaze me. Uh, why do you think your social media feed has been so filtered with why do you think your books which went up on amazon have in many ways not been distributed like they would why is fox news the only place i think you've talked with paul feinbaum on his radio show uh but by and large i would imagine you know the the quote-unquote mainstream of the media many people have have ignored you i know the new york times did a piece i think ben smith if i'm not mistaken uh, i read a piece there uh, but why do you think you have become persona non grata? If you had been the person out there saying, we've got to shut down everything. If, In other words, if you, instead of being the guy who has said, hey, I think we're overreacting, if you had been the overreactor, you would be lauded by the media. It's wild to think about, right? Same thing would be true for me. If I had been the king of shutdowns, lockdowns, sports can never play again, my media colleagues and sports media would have been like, oh, how brave of him, when the reality is saying what you or I are saying is infinitely more brave than following the herd. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's brave. It's just, it's just, it's just accurate. Fact, right? Well, yeah, yeah, right. But, I mean, so, a lot of so, people are, are agree with us, 
but won't say it publicly because they're worried about the consequences or the ostracization. Because I'm mean, sure you've heard from a lot of people yep. in your industry, as I have, who have said, hey, keep saying what you're saying, but they don't want to say it themselves. Yep, I get that. I, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you get it, too. It's, I mean, although it's not a surprise to me. Why do, listen, look, people, I've been saying to a lot of people, uh, you're wrong. You're wrong about this. Yes. You don't know what you're talking about. And I've been saying, in a, you know, and I won't back down, and you can't shut me up, and I'm going to keep pointing to facts and statistics. And I don't care if you think I used to be a good journalist, and I'm not anymore, because I'm exactly the same journalist I was right. when you liked me. I'm just saying something you don't like. And people people can't stand it. And, um, you know, again, I, I think as, as we have found, it takes a certain kind of personality to be willing to say this stuff. And it's easier just to shoot the messenger. And one of the things that I've discovered actually recently on Twitter is that there are people out there, media people, um, who just blocked me preemptively. People I've yeah. never. Oh, yeah, that to. happens people, to me all the time. Yes. And, and, and it's like, what do you think you're gaining from this? They are so upset by having their narrative challenged that for people out there who don't recognize what you're saying, people who are in media. Like I will, people I've never interacted with, this happens to me all the time in sports, they'll have a tweet out, somebody else will retweet it, and I'll be like, oh, that's interesting, I'm curious what they said, and I'll go to read it, and I'll realize that they've blocked me. I've never interacted with them, I've never in any way, you know, like debated any issue with them, and then boom, they've got me blocked. Yep. I mean, the media is incredibly hyper-partisan right now. And here's the thing. At Fox, they know they're partisan, okay? Yeah. But the New York Times and CNN, they're still pretending they're not. Now, that right. pretense has sort of fallen away, but it's still it's still there to some extent. And, and um, you know, look, uh, Paul, Paul Feynman, he's a really good guy. I'm really glad he's had me on, okay? Yes. But, but basically, aside from Fox and One America and other conservative outlets, he's the only one. You know, yeah. I was I was supposed to go on CNBC several times. I had confirmed interviews, and they canceled on me. CNN right. and Paul and Paul, by the way, knows me from the novels, which is why he, you know, why he's a, like he's kind of a fan of my novels, and that's why he had me on to begin with. But you know, CNN, Aaron, you know, Aaron Burnett, she's a fan of my novels. I was going to go on with her a couple months ago. That got canceled. Never rescheduled. So, yeah. so uh, there is a, clearly a media blackout. And, and look, I, I, I really am glad to have the chance to talk to you. I'm glad to have the chance to talk to Tucker Carlson and Laura and, and everybody else on Fox. But Fox doesn't reach the whole country because we are right. so siloed. And people need to hear what you and I have to say, even if they think we're wrong. Yes. It would be better for them to know that there's another side to this. That's Alex Berenson. I'm telling you, you will love that wins and losses conversation if you haven't signed up already for it. Make sure that you do. Uh, And uh, again, it's a really interesting conversation. And we're going to play a little bit of another conversation I had also about why it's safe for sports to be played with Ovik Roy, which is one of the smartest conversations we've had as a part of the Wins and Losses podcast coming up in a little bit. We come back, we'll talk about some of the controversy surrounding Major League Baseball, decisions to play, decisions not to play. uh, And we will also talk about Petros Papadakis deciding to go public with his affinity for my nipples. Yes, that's real. Uh, This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. 
the professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 